Hello, everyone, and welcome to the long-awaited release of Moon Row. As you may know if you listen to the podcast, the Podtron 45000, our artificial intelligence that suggests the names of podcasts, suggested something called Moon Row. Our imaginations ran away from us, and in our minds it became a pilot for a television series about a detective in a small town who has a moon for a head. The next day, I started writing, and before I knew it, I'd written a 98-page screenplay about Monroe, the moon-headed detective. We reached out to some of our friends and organized a table read, which we recorded for you. Please enjoy, we don't have a podcast yet, and the Podtron 4500 present Monroe. Exterior, daytime. We see a man seated on a park bench from the neck down. The camera is focused on a manila envelope in his lap, his fingers nervously drumming on it. Beside him is a small brown paper bag. He's dressed in a crisp white suit and brown wingtips that are tapping in time with his fingers. A voice calls to him from off screen. Hey, buddy. Hey, what's with the head? The man is standing on the sidewalk in a pair of jean shorts and a polo shirt. He looks equally annoyed and confounded. We now see the man on the park bench looking up at the jean shorts man. His head is massive. Not just a massive normal head. It's a moon. There's no other way to put it. It's at least three feet wide and gray with craters of varying sizes all over it. No hair, no ears, just a pair of large eyes and a mouth. He blinks slowly at the man on the sidewalk. I'm sorry, what? Your head, what's the deal with it? My head? Yeah, is it is it a costume or something? Is my head a costume? Ah, you know what I mean, come on. Is it some kind of joke? I, I'm not sure I understand what you mean. It's a moon. You got a moon for the head. What's going on with it? A moon? I get it. It's some kind of prank. There's cameras hitting all over the park, right? Look, I'm supposed to be meeting someone here, if you don't mind. Who are you meeting? A werewolf? It's a business meeting, and I don't need some jackass asking me what the deal with my head is. Scram. So you admit it. Admit what? There's something going on with your head. There's something going on with your head, bucko. Get lost. You know what, man? You're a real piece of work. Acting like I got, I'm some kind of jerk for asking you for having. Ah, sorry. Let me. Can I redo it? Can we? Yeah, can we yeah, do recuts? Go for it. <laughs> okay. Sorry. Start from the top. <laughs> <laughs> you know what? You're a real piece of work. Acting like I'm some kind of jerk for asking why you got a moon for a head. It ain't normal. I'm just curious why you got a moon for a head. Well, now I'm curious why you got a bird's brain. Man, screw you. Yeah, keep walking, dillweed. Mess with me again, and I'll get a cheese grater and use it to grind off your flaccid little... That's me. I interrupted very on cue. (laughs) 
<laughs> purple. You're purple. <laughs> I was muted and that because I was trying, okay, you know what? Just forget it. <laughs> Mr. Monroe. Oh. Uh, a middle-aged woman in a floral print dress has walked up next to Monroe without noticing. Her hair is done up in a scarf and she's clutching a small purse. Oh, uh, Mrs. Hansen, so good to see you. I was just, uh... You told me you had news? Oh, um, yes. I, I believe there's been a breakthrough in your case. Yes? I have some photos. Oh, no. Monroe opens the envelope. I followed your husband after he left work yesterday, and you were correct. He did not come straight home. <laughs> oh, no! Oh, Howard! The photos show a large, balding, middle-aged man in grainy black and white, obviously taken with a telephoto lens. As you can see, he stopped by the flower shop. Oh, God. Oh, my God. <laughs> but here he's gone to a cemetery. He put the flowers on a grave. Someone named Judy... Mrs. Hansen's tears dry up, and her face switches from sorrow to rage. Judy? Judy? Her fists clench harder around her purse. I'm sorry, did you know Judy? <laughs> did I know her? Judy? Oh, oh, oh Judy! was a horse. Wait, what? <laughs> Judy was a horse. A horse? A thoroughbred race horse, supposedly. Your husband. My husband spent our life savings on that stupid little thing. Said it was an investment. He tried to convert our garage into a stable. Ah. He fed it lawn clippings, called it a, a cost-cutting measure. That, that thing, Judy, got the worst case of diarrhea the veterinarian had ever seen, just blew out the back of the horse like one of those exploding ink bombs they use for bank robberies, painted the whole back wall of the garage. Oh, my goodness. I'm not a monster, mind you. I love animals. If there was any silver lining to what happened, it's knowing that the vet said she probably died instantly. From diarrhea. Instant diarrhea. Like when someone opens a door on a spaceship, just, just blew everything out, the airlock. Yeah, they, they say the sudden depressurization caused a vacuum and her guts imploded. Her head got, got sucked down into her shoulders. No neck, no neck. Just a horse with its head right on top of the body. If you could, you know, picture such a thing. I'm trying. And, and now to find out that's where he's been going every week. That's who he's been buying flowers for. At least you know it isn't another woman. I suppose, but what about the collar? The horse's collar? No, Howard's collar, my husband's shirt. I was putting away the laundry and I noticed the lipstick stain. That's why I called you. Oh, oh, yes, the lipstick stain. Well, I have good news. Take a look. 
Monroe reaches into the paper bag and produces the shirt. It's a white dress shirt with a very prominent red smooch print on the collar. I believe we may have missed a clue. The lipstick was so conspicuous, you must have missed this. He holds out the shirt tag. Pierre Cardin? No, the size, Mrs. Hansen. Medium? That's right. Well, Howard's not a medium. I should say not. My husband hasn't been a medium since college. You say you discovered the shirt while putting away the laundry. I assume you use a laundry service? Yes, Wang's Laundry Dry Cleaners on Armstrong Street. I did a little investigating. Asked around the local dry cleaners to see if there were any lost items recently. Mr. Wang confirmed the young fellow a bachelor complained of a lost dress shirt the same week as you called me. Oh my God. It seems this was little more than a mix-up. Oh, Mr. Moonrow, you're a modern day Sherlock Holmes. Bless you. Oh my stars. I, I just can't believe I've been so silly. <clears throat> now there's still the little matter of payment. Oh yes, uh, by all means, here you are. Mrs. Hansen hands Monroe a bank envelope stuffed with bills. You've certainly earned it. Oh, you're worth every penny, Mr. Monroe. I can't thank you enough. Oh, bless you, Mr. Monroe. Bless your heart. Bless you, Mrs. Hansen. This is the best part of my job. If I could pay my bills with smiles, I wouldn't need this. He waves the envelope of cash. I'll go ahead and take this shirt back to Mr. Wang. Hopefully we can get it back to its rightful owner. Oh, yes. Very good. Thank you so much. Well, have a pleasant evening. Oh, and enjoy the long weekend. <laughs> you as well, Mr. Monroe. Have a wonderful Labor Day. Monroe walks down the sidewalk and around the corner with a pep in his step. He thumbs through the envelope of bills counting under his breath. He climbs into a small red convertible and drives away his massive moon head completely at the top of the car. Cut to interior, Wang's laundry and dry cleaning. Mr. Wang, a small jovial man, sits behind the counter watching Maury Povich on a small TV. <laughs> Moonrow walks through the front door with the lipstick-stained shirt. Hey, you, Moonrow. What's the good word? The good word is payday, Wang. All right. That's what I like to hear. Moonrow opens the envelope of money and pulls out three bills, slapping them down on the counter. That's 10%, my good man. He playfully smacks Wang on the cheek. <laughs> oh, it's a pleasure doing business with you, Moonrow. Oh, by the way, next time? Yes. Can we be a little smarter with our choices? I'm sorry, what? There's an artistry to this, Wang. You're making creative decisions, weaving a narrative. Lipstick on the collar. Come on, that's a classic. Tried and true. Look at the tag, Wang. Notice anything? Pierre Cardin? No, Wang. Well, yes, there's no way Howard Hansen is wearing Pierre Cardin, but it's also a medium. <laughs> oh, <laughs> Oh my God, I, I must be losing my touch. Wang takes the shirt and drops it into a drawer behind the counter. Inside the drawer, 
We also get a glimpse of other items, a tie, panties, a butt plug, handcuffs, etc. Impossible. Anyways, here's your stuff. Wang grabs a laundry bag from the rack behind him. Oh, and Moonro? You gotta stop leaving stuff in your pockets. He picks up a small basket filled with crumpled dollar bills, coins, a lighter, some dice, and other small assorted items. Moonro picks through the basket, retrieving the dice and the lighter, and he pushes the rest of the items into the basket, back across the table to Wang. There you go. Keep the change. Gee whiz. Thanks, Moonro. Moonro slings the laundry bag over his shoulder. It takes several attempts as the bag keeps bouncing off the side of his huge moon head. When he finally gets it, he does a wink and a finger gun motion at Wang as he backs towards the door. All right, my man. I'll catch you on the flip side. Flip side? What time? I don't know. Probably like eight. Okay, Moonro. I'll see you then. Title card. Moonro. Opening credits roll over footage of Moonro driving around his small seaside community in his little red convertible, eliciting waves and confused looks from the people. Episode 1, Breaking Even. Fade in, exterior, night. Moonro is dressed in more casual attire, no necktie, sleeves rolled neatly, a pair of light, comfortable slacks, and white Sperry boat shoes. He walks up the sidewalk to the door of a little diner. The sign above the door reads, Frida's Flipside Diner and Bar. The logo is an old illustration of a half-sun, half-moon face. Moon Road takes one last drag from a cigarette and butts it out on the bottom of his shoe. A sign on the door reads, Hours, 5 a.m. to 5 p.m. and 5 p.m. to 5 a.m. Inside is a weird hybrid between a dive bar and an old-fashioned diner. A half-dozen salt-of-the-earth-type locals sit at the bar or huddled in booths, drinking beers and mixed drinks. An old jukebox sits against the wall beneath a sign that reads, Absolutely no brain damage. A woman in red flannel and a white apron waves to Moonroe from behind the bar. Hey, Moonroe. Hey, Frida. Moonroe sidles up to the bar. What'll it be? The usual. One sprite and scope on the rocks coming up. Frida reaches under the bar and produces a bottle of bright green mouthwash. She pours two fingers into a highball glass filled with ice and adds a splash of Sprite from the soda gun. Moonroe takes a long sip and lets out a refreshed sigh. That stuff will kill you, you know. Look around, Frida. Look at everyone. He gestures lazily around the bar. What do you think we're all doing here? You're not afraid to die? Of course I am. Are you crazy? He turns to an old barfly sitting on a stool at the other end of the bar. Snuffy, you, you want to die? No. <laughs> Snuffy turns his gaze from the television to see who addressed him and knocks his mug of beer off the bar with his elbow. Oh, uh, mustard. Uh, afraid to give me another one, please. Snuffy gets it. Death and taxes, they're both unavoidable, but both can be a lot easier if you spread them out. Frida raises a shot glass. Death is a debt to nature due. Moonroe raises his glass right back. Here's to paying on an installment plan. 
A large, muscular man in a tight t-shirt hops onto the stool next to Monroe. His head is shaved, but he has a large, trapezoidal beard as red as flame. <clears throat> hey, barkeep, can I get a shot of whiskey and a can of yellow beer? Frida shuffles about at the bar as Monroe sips his Sprite and Scope, keenly aware the red-bearded man is looking him up and down. Can I ask you something? I'm sorry? <laughs> yeah, you're that detective, right? Mooney. Monroe. I am a detective. Not sure if I'm the one you're thinking of. Yeah, no, no offense, but uh, are there a lot of detectives who look like uh, you? Like you? Well, normally I'd have a tie and jacket on. Uh, this is how I look when I'm off the clock. <laughs> fair enough. Fair enough. Man, I remember seeing your ad in the newspaper as a kid. You're still doing it, huh? From the hours of nine to five? Yep. Yeah, I see. I see. Yeah, you're off the clock. Jack pulls a checkbook from his pocket and starts to write. Yeah, I just thought, uh, you know, perhaps you might be interested in doing a little uh, moonlighting. He tears out the check and slides it along the bar to Moonroe. Moonroe takes another sip, then he glances down. His eyes widen at the check. He turns and shakes Jack's hand. Well, the first thing I like to do with a new client is ask them to tell me a little about themselves. Oh, name's Jack. Jack McAllen. Jack McAllen? Why is that name familiar? Oh, you're probably thinking of my father, Big Jack Sr. Uh, he ran for mayor back when I was a boy. That's it. He owned the newspaper, right? Yeah, <laughs> you really are a detective, huh? That's correct. I'm assuming you took over the helm of his empire after his passing? Yeah, he would have liked that. That's for damn sure. Sent me to the fanciest schools and all that. In the end, I wanted to be my own man. When he died, I sold it all off to the big media conglomerates. Took that money and started my own empire. He hands Monroe a business card. There's a caricature of Jack holding an axe with one foot up on a tree stump. It reads, Cowboy Jack's Hardware and Hardwood. <laughs> oh, yeah. Read it. <laughs> Oh, yeah, I've seen these billboards. That's you? <laughs> well, well, that's a cartoon of me. <laughs> I see. <laughs> anyway, like I was saying, I've been having a bit of a security issue, and I'd like it to be dealt with discreetly. Frida, another Sprite and Scope, please. He turns to Jack. Discretion is my middle. He accidentally knocks the drink all over the bar. Frida? I'm going to need another Sprite and Scope here. He pulls every napkin from the napkin dispenser and starts sopping up his mess. I'm discreet. What's the issue? Money's been disappearing. Like business is bad? Oh, no, on the contrary. Business has picked up lately. We're doing record sales. But day to day, the numbers aren't adding up. There's money unaccounted for somewhere. Maybe your cashiers need a refresher on basic math? Yeah, there's roughly a thousand dollars a day going missing. Moonroe takes a long sip of Sprite and Scope and stares off into the middle distance, his eyes darting back and forth as if he's trying to do math problem in his head. He sets his drink back down and holds up Jack's check. Okay, I'll need the other 80% once the case is closed. It's a deal. Come by the lumberyard tomorrow and take a look. Let me know if you need anything fade out.
The next day, exterior, morning, Cowboy Jack's Hardware and Hardwood. Moonrow stands in the parking lot of the hardware store in his trademark all-white suit, holding a steaming to-go coffee from Frida's. He pulls a travel-sized bottle of scope from his pocket and pours it into the cup before taking a sip. <laughs> Guys, I love that I gave this guy the vice of drinking scope. <laughs> it's so stupid. <laughs> Cut to interior. Lumber yard. It's massive in here. The ceiling isn't even in the shot. Moonroe walks in and looks around. He looks extremely out of place. An exuberant young man in a green vest approaches him. Hi, I'm Bryce. Is there anything I can help you with today? Huh? Oh, yeah, no, not really. Just looking around. Do you have a project? Like a case? It can be a little overwhelming. How are you trying to improve your home? Oh, I guess I'm, uh, I'm building a deck. Perfect for entertaining guests. Yeah, yeah, okay. You're in luck. Our Labor Day sale is slashing prices on all pressure-treated lumber. How big are we thinking? How big is the house? Medium. I'm going to estimate you're probably looking at about 400 square feet. That'll be about 122 by 6 boards, right? Yeah, sounds great. And you know about our 90-day same-as-cash deal? Yep, yep. It's all the same to me. Excellent. Hey, so on another note, has anything out of the ordinary been going on here? Like the Labor Day sale? No, uh, you know, like, have you noticed anything about anybody around here acting unusual? Oh, yeah, I think I know what you're talking about. Bryce gestures over behind Monroe. Monroe spins around to see a greeter in clothes slightly too small, exuberantly <laughs> high-fiving customers as they enter the store. Thank you. You've been extremely helpful. Cut to exterior, Monroe's house. Moonrow arrives at his house in a little red convertible. The driveway is being blocked by a large flatbed truck. A cigar-chomping man is waving his arms to guide the flatbed backward up Moonrow's driveway. Hey, what the heck is going on here? Got a delivery here. You, Moonrow? No. The delivery man turns slowly and looks very intently at Moonrow's head. You ain't Moonrow. Yeah, I, I mean, yeah, I'm Moonrow, but I didn't order anything. The delivery man consults a metal clipboard. Yeah, it says here delivery for a Mr. Moonrow, 120 pressure-treated two-by-sixers. The truck stops beeping and gives a loud hydraulic hiss as the bed lifts up and dumps the load of boards in Moonrow's driveway. I didn't order any lumber. Says here you talk to uh, uh, Bryce. Yeah, it says Bryce consulted on lumber for a 400-square-foot deck. That's, that's a good deal. I didn't pay for anything. It's the same as cash. What does that even mean? Well, you know, cash. Yes, I know cash. Same thing. Now sign here. He holds out a clipboard <laughs> and pen. I'm not signing anything. Take this lumber back to the store. Look, fella, I'm not the take stuff back guy. I'm the delivery guy. <laughs> you want something taken back? That's a whole nother guy. Moonrow stands in his front yard, enraged and confused. Hey, buddy, if you don't mind me asking, what's going on with the whole moonhead thing? 
Moonro snatches the clipboard, the clipboard from him and scribbles his name. He hands it back to the delivery man who looks over the paper. Moonro slaps the clipboard out of his hand in anger. All right, fella, you have a good time with that deck. The delivery truck shifts into gear and starts rolling down the street. Moonro runs alongside the truck, shouting at the delivery man. Wait, how do I contact the take stuff back guy? I have no idea, mister. Ain't my department. What's his name? No clue. I'm not even sure that's a real thing. I just kind of inferred his existence from my own. <laughs> Fade to interior. Moonrose house. Day. Moonrose stands next to an old wall-mounted phone in the kitchen, dialing. Hello? Is this the McAllen residence? Hi. This is Mr. Moonrose. May I speak to Jack, please? <clears throat> Cut to interior McAllen house. Day. Jana McAllen stands in the kitchen, holding the receiver with an oven-mitted hand. Two rude little boys run circles around the kitchen island. Jack, someone on the phone for you says he's a Mr. Monroe? Jack takes the phone and leans against the wall. Hello? Mr. McAllen, this is Monroe. Oh, Monroe. Great to hear from you. How's the investigation going? Well... I seem to have run into a little bit of a problem. Oh, what's the matter? Do you think you found the culprit? No, no. It's not anything like that. It's more of a personal problem. A personal problem that interferes with your work? Well, no. More of a personal problem that involves your work. Jana is heard off camera. Boys, come inside and wash up. Dinner's almost ready. Oh, my apologies. I didn't mean to interrupt your dinner. I'll call another time. Oh, don't be ridiculous. I'll tell you what. Why not come over for dinner? Jana's made spaghetti, and there's plenty to go around. Oh, that's all right. I, I don't want to impose. No, I insist. Jana, send an extra plate for dinner. We're having a guest. Well, I, I suppose. I'll, I'll see you in a few minutes. See you soon. Cut to interior, McAllen House. Evening. Moonro is seated at the di- dining room with Jack and Jana McAllen. They're two boys, Dougie and Early are sitting in the den with their plates watching some police show where a detective seems to be shooting men in the chest every few minutes. Early and Dougie are twins, both with flap-top haircuts. They look like bullies. The spaghetti is wonderful, Mrs. McAllen. Thank you, Monroe. Please call me Jana. Monroe here has a private eye. He's doing some loss prevention work for me down at the store. Oh, that's fascinating. Boys. Boys? Did you hear that? Mr. Monroe is a real-life detective. Shut up. (laughs) Jana is clearly embarrassed by the boy's behavior. Jack laughs in amusement and wipes his mouth with a linen napkin. (laughs) Those boys. They're a couple of real rascals. Reminds me of when I was young. Whip smart, natural athletes. It won't take no guff from nobody. He looks at Jana as he says, nobody. (laughs) Now, Moonro, you say you got some kind of trouble with the investigation? Not with the investigation, exactly. You see, when I went by the store earlier, I... The sound of the front door opening is heard from elsewhere. Hello? Anybody home? Uncle Danny! The two portly boys stampede through the dining room, their mouths stained orange from tomato sauce. A lean, blonde man with a five o'clock shadow and an old military duffel bag 
walks through the kitchen doorway and gets tackled by the twins. Hey, boys! He tries to play fight with them, but they immediately get too aggressive, hitting him in the groin and choking him. Danny, what are you doing here? Just got off work. Thought I'd swing by and see what my favorite sister and my favorite brother-in-law were having for dinner. Oh, I made spaghetti. The pot's over on the stove. I, I was planning on taking some of that for my lunch tomorrow. I don't, I don't know how much you... Uh... Uh, Danny scoops a massive pile of spaghetti onto a plate and plops down at the table. Who's our guest? Our guest is Moonro. Pleasure to meet you, Moonro. The name's Danny Martin. Jane is my sister. Pleased to meet you, Danny. Danny picks the meatballs out of his spaghetti with his fingers and eats them in one big bite, tucking a meatball in his cheek and slowly chewing while continuing to talk. Jack is clearly annoyed. Jana appears worried about her husband's sudden change in demeanor. So what's going on here? We're having a casual business meeting over dinner. It's more of a personal issue. Nah, nah. I mean, what's going on here? He gestures to Moonrose giant moon head. Jana is overcome with embarrassment and starts clearing dishes from the table. Oh, I, I'm sorry. Do I have something? Moonro dabs at the corners of his mouth, thinking he's got sauce on his giant moon face. <laughs> is it like a superpower thing or uh, what? Danny, is this something you needed? Just here for a friendly visit. Just a social call. You're not here because you want something? Can't complain. I've got everything I need. If you wanted to help me out, though, I could use a few extra bucks to... Danny, I'm sorry, but I'm in the middle of a conversation with my colleague here. Hey, no worries. If you don't want to loan me a little money, it's no problem. I'm fine. Sorry to interrupt. Pleasure meeting you, Monroe. Moonro, still wiping at his face, now comically far away from the mouth on his giant moon head. Did I get it? <laughs> Moonro, why don't we step outside? Cut to exterior, McAllen House evening. Moonro is standing on a very spacious patio deck looking up at the night sky. It's clear and the stars are out. Jack walks up holding a tumbler of scotch and a green mixed drink. I uh, hope Listerine is all right. We don't keep scope in the house. <laughs> oh, that's just fine. <laughs> cool mint? I'm not sure. It's cool mint. Oh, uh, good. <laughs> Early and Dougie run around in the backyard wearing black capes and waving flashlights. I'm Dracula. No, I'm Dracula. Yeah, Moon, Moon Row, you a fan of fine cigarettes? I've been known to enjoy a cigarette. Here, try one of these. He offers a cigarette from a red and gold pack. Uh, genuine Kolimas from North Korea. These are pretty hard to get. <laughs> you don't know. You don't want to know what I paid for the whole pack. <laughs> so I thought that it would be funny for him to have like cigarettes from cigarettes North Korea. From North Korea <laughs> cigars, and I made up. A, I made up an imaginary brand. And then it turned up, that's an actual brand. It's based Dude. on a mythical horse. <clears throat> Moonro awesome. and Jack light up and take a drag. Moonro thoughtfully admires the cigarette as Jack exhales deeply. Now, Moonro, 
I'm sorry we haven't gotten to the point yet. You, uh, you, you've been having a problem. Oh, yeah. I came by the store earlier and... Jack? Hang on a minute, hon. Moonrow Moon and I are in the middle of something. Jack. Hang on to that thought, Moonrow. Jack walks over to the patio door and Janice speaks to him in a hushed voice. Moonrow leans over the side of the deck and savors his chalima as he watches Early and Dougie playing increasingly more and more violently. I can't believe you. What? Danny. Yeah, I can't believe Danny. What's that supposed to mean? Look, after all we've done for him, it's still not enough. You know what he's been through, what he's still going through. Oh, oh, and because of that, he deserves a handout? Not a handout, Jack. He deserves our help. I am helping him, Jan. Some help. He's barely scraping by. We're not in a position financially to... Don't give me that. Look, I just don't want to be loaning your brother money. It looks bad. How does it look bad, Jack? It sets a precedent. Oh, a precedent that you're a caring human being. Don't put words in my mouth now. I just can't believe you could be so cold-hearted. In the backyard, Dougie and Early run headlong at each other, screaming, I'm the real Dracula. They collide and their heads knock together. Both fall to the ground unconscious. Oh, oh my God. Boys, boys. Janet runs to the yard to tend to the two unconscious boys. Jack returns to Moonrow. Well, I'm sorry to do this, Moonrow, but I'm afraid we're going to have to cut this conversation short. Why don't you come by my office tomorrow? Yeah, I think I'll need to get going. I'll, I'll see you tomorrow. Moonrow sets down his glass. Thank you for the drink and the cigarette. Jana, thank you so much for a lovely evening. It was nice meeting you, Moonrow. Got to exterior, Frida's flip side, morning. Cars and pedestrians mill about in the early daylight. Interior, Frida's flip side. Moonrow sits at the bar looking over his notepad. Frida walks up and slides him a plate with a ham and egg sandwich. Still working that lumberyard case? Yeah, so far all I've done is buy a deck. You bought a whole deck? Well, I bought the lumber, or I guess I didn't buy it. It was same as cash. What does that even mean? I think it might be some kind of barter system. What are you going to trade? Do you think they'd accept a pile of lumber? Because I have <laughs> one of those. I gotta know, what's that Cowboy Jack guy like in real life? Pretty normal, I guess, as far as rich people go. If I had that kind of money, I'd be living in an actual ivory tower. I'd be up there throwing money down and watching you all fight over it. Oh, here's one weird thing. Last night during dinner, his brother-in-law showed up. Seemed like a nice guy, a little rough around the edges, but not without his charms. But he's clearly broke. I guess he lives around here, too. I heard Jack and his wife having a little dust-up later about lending him money. Uh, I mean, lending money to your family is bad business. Yeah, I guess you're right. But Jack seems so generous with everyone else. You don't have to like your family, Moonrow. You know, one time my brother calls me up, says he's got an investment opportunity. Was it a horse? What? No, it, it was a boat. He says he's going to go into business as a professional treasure hunter. I tell him he needs to get a steady job so he can move out of our parents' house. 
He says he can't get a regular job because he doesn't have a car. So a little while later, I buy a new car and I decide I'm going to show my brother some generosity. I give him my old car. I show up at his house and I put a big old bow on it, like in commercials. He says, oh, so you can afford to give me a whole car, but you couldn't afford to buy me a boat. I'm pretty sure he had no idea how much a boat costs or a car for that matter. Anyway, I see him a week later walking down the side of the road. I pull over, ask him if he's having car trouble. And that hooplehead says to me, oh yeah, uh, thank you for the car. I was actually able to trade it for something useful. And then I swear to God, he pulls out a treasure map, like an old brown rolled up paper with the edges all burnt and a dotted line and a big red X marks the spot. I don't get it. Sometimes we got to love our family, even when we don't like them, Munro. Wait, you have a brother? <laughs> You're a terrible detective, Munro. Okay, Th thanks for the breakfast, Frida. Uh, keep the change. He tosses a couple of bills on the counter. I got to get over there to the lumber yard and find some clues. Good luck. Outside Cowboy Jacks, we see an employee on a tall ladder installing a giant banner that reads, Cowboy Jacks Labor Day Blowout Sale. Everything on sale. 90 days, same as cash. <laughs> Cut to interior lumberyard day. Moonro is wandering the store looking for the office. He spots Bryce, the overzealous sales associate who sold him all the lumber for the deck. He tries to slip by him unnoticed by covering the side of his face with his hand. It's still a man in an all-white suit with a moon for a head, but now he's just got his hand blocking his eyes. <laughs> hey, Mr. Monroe, hey! Uh, Monroe oh, hey! Surprised. Oh, hey! How's that deck coming along? Oh, good, good. Uh, Hey, actually, I think there was some kind of miscommunication. They sent you the wrong type of wood. You asked for hardwood, they sent pressure treated? No, well, you know what? It's not important. I'm actually here to talk to your boss. He can sort it out. Mr. Moonrail, whatever it is, I can fix this for you. There's no need to bother him over this. Let, let, me, let me take care of it. I'm not here to talk to him about my deck. Well, what is it then? I'm, I'm sure I can help. Please let me help. I need this job, Mr. Moonrow. I, I can't go and get fired. I've already got two strikes. Moonrow's interest is piqued. He pulls out his notepad and pen. Two strikes? What happened? Letting your friends use the old five-finger discount? My friends are all in high school. Don't get a kidder, kid. I was in high school once. Me and my buddies, we got into some trouble. You and your buddies stole from a lumber yard? No. Yeah, nobody's hanging out here, Mr. Monroe. It's lame. So what did you do that got you on probation? I was late. Oh, a no call, no show? Well, this might... Well, this place might be lame, but you have a responsibility and you can't just knock off work because you partied too hard last night. I was one minute late. Both times? Both times together. One minute total. Sheesh. Well, look, I'm supposed to meet your boss about something completely unrelated. Show me where to go and I'll be sure to tell him how helpful you've been. Oh, thank you, Mr. Moonrow. 
Interior office. Moonro knocks as he pokes his giant moon head <laughs> through the door. Knock, knock. Can I help you, sir? Oh, I'm sorry. I think that kid screwed up. What kid? Moonrow hears Bryce's voice echo in his mind. I've already got two strikes. Two strikes. Two strikes. <laughs> oh, uh, Charlie Brown. Charlie Brown? Yeah. The cartoon? That's Peanuts. What? <laughs> Charlie Brown is the boy. How did the boy screw up? Oh, gosh. Where to begin? He got a bad Christmas tree. He's always trying to kick that football. Why are you telling me this? Because you asked me. Walt looks confused. I'm supposed to be meeting with Jack. Well, then did you come here? I thought this was his office. The door says Walt Branson. <laughs> you thought Jack McCowan had an office store that says Walt Branson? I don't know. Maybe that's the name of the room. Like when they name a building after a dead guy. Well, I'm not dead, sir. Not yet, at least. Moonro snaps his fingers as if he's just solved a mystery. You're Walt Branson. Last time I checked, where's Jack? In Jack's office. You know what? You seem easily confused. Why don't I just take you there? Walt and Moonrow walk through the seemingly endless aisles of shelves in the massive store. You work for Jack? All my life, pretty much. You know him well? We were in the same program in college. Headed off pretty much day one. We were thick as thieves, Jack and I. After graduation, I was struggling to get my career started. Jack had just sold off his old man's newspaper to open a lumber yard and asked if I'd come help him out. I was the first employee on the payroll here. Oh, so your business partners? Not really. Jack owns a store. It was his family's money. I just managed the business, make sure everything's running smoothly. My folks owned a hardware store growing up. Nothing like this one, of course. Just a little mom and pop business. I like to think that I bought my or brought my experience to Cowboy Jacks. So what does Jack do? He calls it vision casting. Big picture motivational speech type stuff. Realistically, he signs everybody's paychecks. So you're the brains of the operation. No offense, but maybe you're not as stupid as I thought. What kind of work you say you're doing for Jack? Oh, I'm a private eye. Ah, I'm guessing he hired you to get to the bottom of our little financial mystery. So you know about that. I'm the one who told Jack. He's not interested in say, staying here after hours to balance the books every night. So who does that? I do. You handle all the cash? Eileen pulls the drawers from the register at the end of the night and brings them to my office with the balance. I double-check their work. The drawers get put back 
In the days, cash goes in the safe. So the money goes missing sometime after that? Like clockwork. Jack comes in the next morning when he opens the safe to go make a deposit. It's always short. So someone knows the combination? Not possible. Are you sure? Say for yourself. They enter through an open doorway into a large office decorated like a southwestern steakhouse. The desk is crowded with Remington cowboy statues. On the other side of the room is a meeting area. Two cowhide sofas adorned with Navajo blankets. The walls are completely covered in stereotypical cowboy souvenirs and trophies. Behind the desk, several antique rifles and pistols are mounted on the wall. Against the wall opposite the doorway, looking extremely out of place, is a stout box made of gray metal. It stands roughly two feet tall with, with a sturdy-looking door that features two keys <clears throat> side by side. That's the safe? Yes, sir. So there's two different keys? No, oh, hey there, Monroe. Hi, Jack. I see you've met Walt. I was explaining the finer points of our little problem to Mr. Monroe here. So anyone with either key could be the thief? No. Anyone with both keys. It's, it's like the missile on a submarine. You gotta have both keys to open the safe. I've got one, and Walt keeps the other. And nobody could make a copy? Take a look. Jack pulls his key ring from his pocket. Along with a set of regular-looking keys is a strange tubular key, like the kind used to unlock a vending machine. <clears throat> They're not like any kind of standard style. Uh, you know, no machine to copy them. I suppose if someone with enough time and patience could make one by hand, but uh, that seems highly unlikely. There's no spare keys? What's the point of having this level of security if you just got extra keys laying around? Well, then what happens if someone loses their key? Well, you had to replace the entire safe. You said had. Like this happened before? Uh, five years ago, wasn't it? Uh, Walt, Walt here went and lost his key. I didn't lose it. Fine. Walt went and gave it to some criminal. I was mugged. No, oh, you didn't even try to fight back. What was I supposed to do? Risk my life for that stupid key? It would have been a lot less headache. Unless they shot him in the head. Yeah. So the whole safe has to be replaced if either of you loses the key. Yep. What happened to the old safe? We had to cut it open. Yeah, it was no easy task, I tell you. We had to use a plasma cutter and ran through about a dozen angle grinder blades. It was extremely embarrassing. In the store, a voice echoes out over the intercom. Heathcliff, please report to the Lawn and Garden Center. Heathcliff, to the Lawn and Garden Center. Oh, God. Heathcliff. I better answer that. You're saying Heathcliff? I'll take... Oh, I'll talk to you later, Jack. Moonrow, it was nice to meet you. Good luck with your investigation. Why do they call him Heathcliff? Oh, he's not Heathcliff. Who's Heathcliff? Nobody. Why are they calling for Heathcliff, then? No, it's a code word. There's a homeless guy who likes to come into the store and make bathroom on the floor. They say Heathcliff so the customers don't know about it. About poop on the floor? Yep. I see. You know, that actually brings up another question I had. 
I noticed you don't have security cameras installed anywhere. It seems to me that a few well-placed cameras could easily solve both the missing money and the poop problem. I'll admit it would put it, it would, I'll admit it would, but in my opinion, that would come at too great a price. You said you've been losing an average of $1,000 every night. I don't know much about security cameras, but I can't imagine they're that expensive. Some things are worth more than money, like trust. I believe that every employee, every customer that walks in my store is family. I don't go around putting cameras in my house to make sure my boys aren't setting the dog on fire. That would be insane. If those boys were setting the dog on fire, that would be insane. You're right. But I feel that if I want to earn the trust of these folks, I have to return that trust in kind. That's also why I had my office designed with an open doorway. Well, that's admirable, I guess. And that's why I trust you will be discreet with this investigation. I don't want this investigation to feel like a witch hunt. Well, if it does turn out to be a witch, at least you've got plenty of wood for the fire. <laughs> Very good, Monroe. <laughs> that reminds me, my little personal problem. A large, ornate phone with a pair of long bullhorns on the receiver rings on Jack's desk. Oh, I'm sorry. You'll have to excuse me, Monroe. I'm expecting an important call. Monroe looks confused and frustrated. Gary, how the hell are you? Uh huh. Uh huh. Jack <laughs> looks over at Monroe and gives him the little talky talky puppet hand motion. Oh yeah, yeah. What? Well, how how about this? What if what if we did two hundred units right now and another two hundred next quarter? Monroe looks awkwardly around and then wanders out of Jack's office with his hands in his pockets. He's wandering through endless aisles of potted plants and bags of mulch when he spots Danny with a mop and bucket. Danny? Well, hey there, Mr. Moonrow. You work here? Yeah, just clean it up and that sort of thing. Nothing too fancy. I'm honestly surprised. I mean, I don't want to sound disparaging, but I didn't get the impression your brother-in-law was. He seems like he wouldn't spit on me if I was on fire, you mean. What is it with this family and setting stuff on fire? What? Never mind. It just seemed like Jack wasn't especially warm with you the other night. Well, to be honest, I understand his side of things. You know, here I am, the black sheep, the screw-up of the family. Jana and I didn't come from nothing, and she made real good for herself marrying Jack. Growing up, we had to make do any way we could. Jack gave me a job when nobody else would, and I suppose I never... I owe him a debt of gratitude I can't never pay back. He's just tough on me because he wants to see me make something of myself, you know? He's a self-made man, and I don't know where I'd even begin to do something like that. I hear selling your dad's newspaper business is a good start. <laughs> That's a good one, Mr. Moonrow. Take it easy, Danny. Hey, I'll take it any way I can get it. As Moonrow continues toward the exit, he spots a haggard-looking man with an unkempt gray beard. Despite the weather outside, he's wearing a stocking cap and a filthy parka. His pants are piled over worn house slippers around his ankles as he's sitting on top of a display toilet, reading a newspaper. Moonrow stops and looks at the sight quizzically. Do you mind? Are you sincerely asking? <laughs> the homeless man harumphs and goes back to reading his newspaper. 
Moonro walks on, stopping by the customer service desk on his way out. A slight middle-aged woman with a ponytail and bangs is chewing a golf ball-sized wad of pink gum behind the counter. Excuse me. Yes, how can I help you? I think Heathcliff is needed in the bathroom fixtures. I'm sorry. Heathcliff? The imaginary poop man? You need to send him to the toilet display. Oh, oh God. Okay. She picks up the phone and presses the intercom button. Heathcliff! Heathcliff, you're needed in the toilets. The non-working toilets. The homeless man runs out the exit in the background, newspaper tucked under his arm. (laughs) (laughs) Oh, you're Eileen. Why is that exciting? Oh, I'm I'm a friend of Mr. McAllen. I've heard good things. (laughs) Really? Do you have a minute to talk? I have a boyfriend. Oh, I wasn't trying to, you know. You got any cigarettes? Yeah. Trina, I'm going on break. Eileen grabs a candy bar from the display shelf and walks outside, Moonro following behind her. Cut to exterior lumberyard, day. Moonro and Eileen stand against the cinder block wall around the side of the store. She spits the huge wad of bubblegum into a dumpster with an impressive force and accuracy and tears into the candy bar. So? I just wanted to ask you a few questions. Him? Oh, yes, the cigarette. He pulls an elegant silver cigarette case from his blazer and opens it for her. As she puts it to her lips, he snaps it closed and a lighter concealed in the case automatically ignites as he raises it to light hers before lighting his own. What's this about? I wanted to ask you about your work here. You a cop? What? Are you a cop? No. Do I look like a cop? You look like a southern plantation owner with a moon for a head. That's incredibly specific. I'd say you have a pretty specific look. Why would you assume I was a cop then? You're coming around asking questions and something's up. What's up? I don't know, but I'm not stupid. Things around here have been weird for the past few months. How so? Mr. Branson and Mr. McAllen have been acting real strange lately. Strange how? Like a couple of cats in rocking chair store. Real tense. Something's going on. Are they going out of business? Not that I know of. Seems like business is booming. He gestures to the giant banner advertising the Labor Day sale. Business is always booming until it ain't no more. I've been married three times, and I'll tell you, everyone goes big before they go home. Second honeymoon, renewing your vows. Folks ain't as motivated by the future as they are by the past. Is that what motivates you? Yep. What are you chasing? My 18-year-old self. Three husbands ago, before I threw away every opportunity on a different guy in a pair of tight jeans with a flashy pickup truck with a drinking problem and wandering eye. To a time when I could have gone back to school for photography. 
back before I got left to take care of another baby and six figures and maxed out credit card debt. All the way back to when my butt was so high and round, I looked like a hunchback. Never has anything so insightful been so unhelpful. Was I supposed to be helping you with something? Yeah, I, I guess not. Hey, what's your name, mister? Monroe. Oh, I get it. Get what? Like the moon because of the whole, you know. She gestures to his giant moon head. <laughs> Moonroe looks at her with blank confusion. Oh, all right, I, I got to get going. Cut to exterior, Moonroe's house, afternoon. Moonroe pulls up with several grocery bags in the passenger seat of his car. Oh no, what's all this? In his driveway, the pile of lumber has doubled in size. He hops out of the car and runs to the pile of wood. There's a note attached. Dear Mr. Moonroe, I'm very sorry about the mix-up. As you can see, I've not only remedied your problem, I took the liberty of upgrading you to Redwood. Bryce. Bryce! Interior, Moonroe's house. Moments later, Moonroe stands amid bag groceries. He's on the phone. A soft ringtone is heard. Cut to interior McAllen house. Jana picks up the phone. Hello? Hi, Jana. It's Moonroe. Oh, hello, Moonroe. How's every little thing? Oh, you know, if I were any better, I'd be twins. Wonderful, wonderful. Is Jake around? No, he said he had to stay late tonight. Um, this is the busiest weekend at the store. Right. Well, can you have him call me when he gets in? Sure thing. Can I tell him what it's in regards to? Yeah, it's, it's my personal problem. I see. Will he know what that's in reference to? No. Okay. Oh, Monroe. Yes? Are you busy Monday afternoon? Hang on, let me check my schedule. He looks at a pile of laundry in the corner of his living room for a beat. Nope. Well, you've probably heard, but we have a big annual family cookout every Labor Day. We'd love to have you. Oh, I, I wouldn't want to impose on a family get-together. No, no, no. Family includes everyone. Friends, relatives, everyone at the lumberyard. Oh, well, in that case, I'll be there. Feel free to bring a plus one. All right. Oh, and Moonroe? Yes? I want to apologize for Jack's behavior the other night with Danny. I talked to Danny this morning. He, he told me all about the relationship. Oh, good. Danny has a good heart, but with his criminal record. Yeah, that criminal record. Jack can be a little impatient with him, but giving him a job was incredibly generous. There's not a lot of employment opportunities for someone who spent five years in prison for forgery. Yeah, yeah. If someone suddenly found that out, that would seriously affect one's opinion of a person. He's such a kind, good-hearted person, and the boys just love him. These last three months have been some of the best for our family. Three months, you say? Oh, I'm sorry. I'm boring you with our family drama. Don't be silly. I'll see you Monday. We'll be looking forward to it. Moonroe hangs up, then grabs a phone book. Walt Branson. He dials a number. An operator recording plays. 
The number you are trying to reach is not in service. Moonroe looks confused. He consults the phone book again. Cut to exterior, Walt's house, the magic hour. Two large men are loading furniture from Walt's house into a box truck labeled Repo Depot. Moonroe walks up to the yard. Hey, fellas, is this Walt Branson's house? Yep. Is he moving? Don't know. He ain't here. Where are you taking his furniture? Back. Oh, my God. Are you the take stuff back guy? Yeah, I guess that's what I am. Guys, I've got two whole decks worth of lumber I need taken back. All right, who's got it? I did. You already got it? Yeah. Now I need it taken back. Taken back where? The store. You already paid for it? I'm not sure. What do you mean? It was same as cash. <laughs> we'll be seeing you real soon, pal. Thank goodness. <laughs> the repo men have some difficulty loading the sectional sofa into the truck and accidentally knock over a trash can, spilling its contents all over the curb. Moonroe dutifully starts cleaning it up when he picks up a bundle of unopened envelopes. They all have bold red letters. Final notice. Cut to interior, Moonrose house. Moments later, Moonrose is holding mail, now opened. He's got the phone receiver tucked between his head and his shoulder as he thumbs through Walt's unpaid bills. Yes, hello, I'm Walt Branson. I'm calling about my unpaid bill, and I'm just a little confused. Could you tell me who you're collecting on behalf of? He grabs a pad and pencil. Dr. Weingarten and associates thank you and is there a number where i could reach them uh-huh he thank hangs you. up and then dials another number hi is this dr weingarten oh good my name is mr sunro i need to make an appointment oh yeah it's in regards to this terrible rash on my legs i think it might be oh this isn't a dermatologist's office well, I got a lot of things going on. What is it you guys take care of? Well, folks, I hate to do this, but this is the end of the free preview of Moon Row. If you think you know who did it and you'd like to find out, head to patreon.com slash we don't have a podcast yet. Sign up to support the show. You'll get access to the entire episode of Moon Row, including the thrilling third act conclusion where Moon Row lays it all out. Also, if you sign up to support the show, you'll get access to The Vault, with almost 100 hours worth of listening content not available on the free feed. And a subscription to the premium episode every Friday, delivered right to your podcast listening app. 